Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Markets show. I'm John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle. I'm joined today by Graham Davis, news editor. How are you doing, Graham? Hello, John. Very Steve, well, thanks. Stephen Wilmot. You're not very well because you're no, coughing, coughing away. I'm going to try not to cough. Uh, uh, Stephen Wilmot's companies editor. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, good, John. Another busy week on the results front. Absolutely. Good, good. And uh, Ian Smith for the first time, who's joined us only last week and has hit the ground running. How are you doing, Ian? Well, thank you very much for that, John. I'm fine. Good. Well, so you're going to be talking to us in a minute about banks and insurance, which have been a prominent feature in the results section and the uh, news this week. And today, it's not in the magazine TSB. You can talk to us about that because that's exciting. Big news for the challenger banks coming big, through. Big news indeed. Okay, Graham, let's kick mm. off with currencies because this yeah. is all quite interesting. Interesting. Dollar, euro, approaching parity. Yes, parity time, John. Parity time. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the dollar is at its strongest, uh, or the euro is at its weakest. Against yeah, which the dollar. is it? I don't know. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I'm not sure which it is. <laughs> but uh, for the, in 12 years, basically, the, the euro continues to weaken. QE started this week. The dollar is just powering ahead, basically. Um, dollar is so, powering ahead, or the euro is well, because because I mean the, the euro is weakening against the uh, against sterling as well quite it's, quite markedly it is indeed but the, the, the but dollar I mean the dollar is strengthening against emerging market currencies as well right. at the moment so it's it's a bit of both there are clear reasons on either side right I mean we've we've got expectations that the the rate, rates are going to rise first in the U S on the one hand we've got QE well, we've been hearing that for some time but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so I mean it's the, the forces on both sides but I guess I guess uh, euro QE is the the big thing because that kicked off this week the uh, government on bond Monday, buying. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, they seem to be uh, snapping up uh, German bonds like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, the Eurozone central banks bought 3.2 billion euros worth of bonds on Monday, so they kicked off. But yeah, it seems to be German bonds they want yeah, was, more, was, than, more than anything else. I was speaking to, to uh, our new trader, Nicole, mm. earlier this week. And yeah, uh, German, German bonds, they're buying them in, you know, in, at negative rates. Yeah. I mean, it's in, insane stuff. <laughs> it's can't get enough of it. Can't get enough. Okay, so but, you know there there is signs of green shoots of recovery. Um, mm. You know forecasts are, are now picking up for eurozone. There seems to be some growth in eurozone this year. Mm. Is, consumer uh, sentiment, is at the consumer sentiments rising. You know it's 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 interesting that the QE could be timed. You know, maybe it's just going to be coincidence, but it could be timed just right. And it's interesting that in the economy there. That actually, and we'll talk about this in a minute when uh, when Ian uh, joins us properly. But TSB's Suter is a Spanish <laughs> bank. From, yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Who it? would have thought it? <laughs> but then, having said that, Santander was. Um, was the the buyer of uh, Abbey National? Yeah, it was many back, yeah, so. it was some years ago, though, wasn't it, John? I mean, at different times then. Yeah, different you know, times. Santander was going to take over Europe then. Well, that's true, but it, but it kind of is. I mean, it's done. Mm. It's doing it right yeah, now. Yeah, um, in hindsight, it's... yeah, Spanish banks, Spanish banks, and the Spanish economy—two different things. Mm. Uh, interestingly, okay, so so euro's weakening. Yeah, Castillo's they're... written this week something interesting that that actually. Uh, Currencies and shares off, often move in opposite directions, which, mm. I, which I found quite interesting. So, you know, don't buy markets. Don't buy into markets because you think the economy behind them and therefore the currency behind them is strong. And strengthen, yeah. You know, actually, very often it's, it's the, the opposite thing that happens, you know, and we've seen that in, so, you know, the euro stocks, I've got, I actually printed out the graph that came in, it's been, it's been powering ahead, uh, even as the euro has been, has been weakening. Um, and in Japan, Japan, yeah. of course, is uh, you know a classic example. Um, you know, pre- president, prime minister. I got that wrong in an editorial recently, which was very embarrassing. Mm. Uh, prime minister Abe, and you should have spotted that. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> prime minister Abe's, uh, you know, um, economic reforms in Japan. Uh, QE is obviously a, a big part of that, and and you know, since he announced that last year, the the, the yen has weakened considerably mm. against yeah the dollar in particular and yet the the, the nikkei has has powered ahead which yeah. is of course a local currency index 
in 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 sterling terms and you wouldn't wouldn't have seen the game well that's true that's, that's true we've, we've, yeah. we've written about this quite a lot in the in the fun section that you know if you if you and we've we've advised uh, as have many many advisors out there you know if you're going to buy into a japanese index or a japanese fund you know you buy the the hedged version and presumably the same must be now true of of, of buying into european funds as well right exactly um anyway so so actually that's quite interesting so very interesting piece there from chris who who is uh he's a, he's a, you know he's a great economic theorist and and, and actually a, a, a a proper economist, and we're going to come on to mm. that in a minute, aren't we, Graham? Because we're going to talk about forecasting. Because actually, in fact, it was the euro that. What did you? What was the stat you gave me earlier? Yeah, in December, just one out of thirty-two um, eurozone economists polled by the Financial Times said that the euro would be worth the same as a dollar during two thousand fifteen. In December, so in December. not that so long. Two ago. and a little bit months ago, when- one in one out of thirty-two. Only one out of thirty thought they would get to parity, and now we're almost there. And at, at that point, we knew that the European QE economy was, was weak. We knew that QE was coming, and, mm. and still, only one economist managed to forecast what has actually transpired, yep. pretty much. Um, okay. You know, and this is this is something. This is why I mentioned that I, you know we consider Chris, and uh, uh, Chris would consider himself a proper economist because he he would argue that the job of, of an economist is not to forecast, yeah. but to give you the range of scenarios and to help you understand how how. Yeah, the, the the many moving parts of the global economy actually work together, and I think you know Chris does a fantastic job of that. And you know th- this this piece about the relationship between currencies and share prices is very very interesting indeed. Um, and, and you know he concludes by saying, and I would encourage you to read the piece: you should not um, buy shares, but in, uh, invest because you have a view about exchange rates. Mm. You know, and should should we should we be worried about the US? I mean, is the U.S. economy as strong as we as strong as we think? So you know? retail retail sales figures mm. have come out. Today. Yeah, was it today? To the, just today, yeah. And they're not good. Not good. Uh, retail sales fell 0.6% in February, and that's a second uh, straight monthly decline. That hasn't happened since 2009. Mm. Yeah, there's been a few, there's been snowstorms and some mitigating factors, but the general sense is is maybe that the US economy is, is, is slowing down a little bit. But they had snow last year. It was big, big yeah, snowstorms last snow every, year. Snow every, <laughs> snow every year. <laughs> in fact, in fact... Um, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here because we a couple of weeks ago we did the uh, the supersized returns part two. Mm. So we've got we've got a, a great writer over in the US, Todd Wedding, who occasionally contributes to us. And one of the companies he he um, picked out was a, a snowplow manufacturer. <laughs> going great guns, well, they're doing brilliantly. Um, yeah, not you know, don't think there's a big market for them in the UK, but uh, maybe in Scotland, not, maybe yeah. in Scotland, who knows. Should we be worried about the US? I mean, they've come off their highs. The, the, the S&P 500 has come off its highs. The FTSE 100 came off its highs mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. quite sharply. Yeah, yeah. Why, why? I don't know. More worries about Greece? Because that's not quite as... Oh, John, we said we weren't going to talk about uh. Greece. No, Greece is still an issue uh, 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 hanging over Europe, which is, but the Eurozone, Eurozone equities are storming ahead. So, um, you know. Well, so, yeah, I mean, so there's been no sign of weakness from the Eurostox 50, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. No sign of weakness from the, the, the Nikkei, which we've already talked about. So, I mean, yeah. it's quite interesting. Mm. Um, which can only lead one to conclude that is it? I mean, is this a, is it, are we in a currency war again? Is this is this a currency war? Are we are we now in a situation where currencies are being deliberately weakened to to, to back up the uh, exporting power? Of, of it's one in. of the oldest tricks in the book, isn't it? It is. Um, but you know, it, I mean, is is the US, Everyone thinks the U.S. interest rate rise is nailed on now, but is it necessarily? There's a meeting next week. People think it's going to happen, but. This strong dollar, whilst on the face of it may seem a good thing, it's going to hurt UK, uh, US 
um, industry at some point. Yeah, yeah, you'd think um, so. And do they want it to strengthen even more? You'd think so. You'd think so. Who knows? Interesting stuff. Who knows? Anyway, I'm, I'm yeah, checking out European holiday destinations at the moment. Yeah, I've never seen this. is as cheap as yeah. I can ever remember it. It's amazing. <laughs> Apple, mm. the watch. Watch out. The yes, long-anticipated watch. <clears throat> watch. Are you going to be buying one? No. <laughs> Stephen? Well, you know, I'm a... I have a fondness for new technology, John. <laughs> but you, no, it's neither Stephen or I even have iPhones. So, Ian, have you got an iPhone? I have not got an iPhone. Have you, well, are you, so you're not going to be buying a watch either? Apparently it doesn't work underwater, so I'm not going for it. <laughs> oh, you like going underwater? Well, you know, any watch that doesn't work underwater is not worth itself to me. John, you have an iPhone. You're the only one of us who could actually use one of these. Well, I can't because I've got an iPhone 4. <laughs> <laughs> and it only works with a 5 upwards. So, yeah, I won't be getting a watch. I, I have been meaning to buy a new watch for a while. Mm. But I'll be looking at, at the uh, eight-pound Casio digital special yeah, from uh, because I need I need something that, that I can smash about. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not I don't want a three hundred pound watch that's going to break like the and and also even the, if you could, the, even if you check your email on it, John. Um, checking email is something I want to stop doing so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't know. I think we're, we're getting a bit too you know uh, caught up in all this technology. Uh, this this wired world where you know you can post your status wherever the hell you are, and you know mm. it would be, it'd be interesting know. to see if Apple can crack it because they've you know they've they've redrawn the the boundaries in, in other parts of the technology market, but they're shifting into sort of fashion a bit now. I don't, I don't, see, you know, I don't think I I think well, <coughs> Theron Mohammed who, mm. who covers uh, the tech sector, and you know. Um, even he, th- I don't think he's particularly impressed with the watch. But as he, as he rightly pointed out before we came in here, I think a lot of people will still buy it. Yeah, um, and yeah, they might be disappointed with it. But I think Apple will get it right in in the future. Um, and and, we've, I, and we don't have to have a bullish view on the watch to think that Apple's a buy. I guess no, that's the underlying point. Well, exactly yeah. because you know, again, you know, the rest of its products. Um, it's got a strong it, franchise anyway. It has a very strong franchise. Um, you know, its its phones are ubiquitous. Um, it's Mac books apart from here <laughs> this is just this is an IC phenomenon we, we, we have marked on this before um, uh, the, the Macs you know it's actual computers are you know coveted and, mm. and they're good they're good products people people love them so you know yeah we, we, we still think they're a buy um, huge amounts of cash not expensively rated as a as a share so yeah um yeah the watch I think the watch is a sideshow I think mm. I guess we're saying but it, it's a it's an amazing option i suppose on the share price like if, if it takes off then that that does bring apple into a whole new market and you know you don't have to believe in it to to, to think that the shares are worth buying but no but, but it's a no. it's a it's a nice option well that's o- true optionality well, that's true. broker it, speak would have it mm. you know? we, we, we saw i think i'm pretty sure we said the same thing about the the google glass you know and um yeah that option didn't work out to very much at all mm, but um, i guess that's the nature of technology groups that their innovation yeah driven yeah um, yeah, well, I th- you know, we still like Apple anyway. So uh, yeah. it, I just don't think it looks very nice either. It's not the most pretty watch I've seen. So um, whatever. You stick with the Casio, John. I stick with the Casio. <laughs> yeah, beautiful Casio, <laughs> famous for its aesthetics. So yeah, actually talking to Casio, Japanese company. Ah, good and, segue. And, and uh, good segue. Mm. So a lot of uh, takeovers coming through at the moment. So we've talked about TSB, or we've mentioned TSB. Yep. We'll talk about it properly in a minute. Um, but some Japanese companies, despite the weak currency, are buying into UK businesses, which is interesting yeah. because presumably, relative to where their currencies have been historically, they, they must be uber expensive mm. at the moment. Domino Printing Sciences, which yeah. has been snapped up by Brother. 
brother, indeed, a billion pound bid. Yeah. Which seemed pretty knockout. You know, I don't think anyone else had considered that Domino was a target. Good company. Bit yeah, this. So that I suppose the background is that it, it it prints these smart barcodes, doesn't mm. it? It prints all sorts of stuff. I mean, industrial yeah. printing, basically, La- labelling type yeah. solutions, and, uh, which apparently is more complex than it sounds. It is m- massively complex. In fact, in fact, there was a company this week. Now I'm going to segue into something else. My friend works for a company called Tarsus. And uh-huh. he runs... Which had its results. Which had its results this week, and very good they were too. And it runs um, a few big business conferences, one of which is yeah. Label Expo. And my, my friend is the publisher of Label Expo and the labelling magazines, and he was approached once by, by Have I Got News For You? Because they wanted to use Labels and Labelling International as their <laughs> publication of the week. And he told them, clear off. This is, this is, this is big business, labelling, you know, don't mock labelling. Don't take labelling lightly. This is huge. Mm. And he's right. And in the, and in the Amazon world, absolutely. So bigger, ta- so, bigger business by the year. Indeed. So, so, um, so Tarsus has obviously benefited. But Domino is in the same, same, same kind of business as mm. well, really. And, and, you know, yeah, big, big takeover there. Big takeover big, and big, uh, big premium as well. Big premium. And then, of course, we had uh, Optos, Optos a couple of weeks ago, which is being bought by Nikon. Nikon, yeah. The optical imaging uh, business, Optos. Yeah, yeah, Optos is really interesting. Um, I, re- I hadn't really thought about what it did until I had a look earlier, and it does the retinal imaging, um, which I only had for the first time a few years back. And t- you know, they take a photo of the back of your eye, mm. and then you see this. this and the opticians, yeah. Have you, you've yeah. had it done? Yeah. It looks, like, it looks like a planet or something. Mm. It's mad. Have you had it done? No. What did you have it done for? Just a random Health eye test. Normal yeah, eye, check. Yeah, eye yeah, test. Really. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But they're looking for, you know, signs. They can tell all sorts of things by looking at the back of your eye. Not just about the health of your eyes, but about the health of you. And, and I was very pleased to say that time was healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, Stephen's too young to have that done. Oh, yeah. Let's not get ageist about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but one notable thing about Domino printing this week was that um, uh, it was a bit of a boost for Domino's pizza oh, share my. price. I, you know, <laughs> I, I saw that in the Evening Standard. <laughs> the shares went up about <laughs> six or seven percent on the day. Yeah, ju- <laughs> some poor people thought that Domino's pizza was being bought. I, my brother, I despair. <laughs> I despair. Um, I mean, that yeah. is that is truly worrying. Yeah, that is truly worrying. I really, I can't. We couldn't believe it was true. <laughs> so, so just absolutely oh ridiculous. It's a, it's a fat finger issue, maybe. I don't. You, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think, but you know, this is really worrying. You know, going back to what we at the IC preach and the, the core purpose. You know, you've got to do research. You can't just buy because someone says, "Oh, so and so is being taken over." Mm. Quick, Domino's get in there. Bought. You can't buy because so and so said buy. It. I mean, this is just, this is not how you should invest. No, this is what gives investing a bad name. This mm. is why some people equate it to gambling, which. It isn't if you do it properly. properly. Talking of responsible investing, I think um, it's something that a lot more people need to be uh, considering these days, given that we are approaching uh, Pension Freedom Day. Or Pension Chaos Day. Pension Chaos Day. Um, and um, a lot more um, private investors, private individuals, are going to be given much greater control of how their pension is invested. Um, and obviously that's, that's something we've started to see um, in terms of the actual companies who provide pensions and are in the pensions business, uh, which is what you've been writing about this week, isn't it, isn't it Ian? Definitely have, yeah. I mean, the So big... who, who have we had? So this week we've had Prudential. Obviously, their results overshadowed by the departure of their CEO, Tijani Tiam. Good pronunciation. Um, thank you very much. Um, and also Aviva's and Friends Life results. Um, 
those ones slightly overshadowed by uh, the Aviva's purchase of Friends Life to come. Um, so, you know, we've had results that maybe a fewer people have looked at than normal. Uh, but I think the big thing for the life insurers is how they can rebalance their business uh, away from individual annuities uh, to bulk uh, annuities. Yeah, because this, I mean, this is the thing. So, I mean, basically, annuities have not been very attractive. For, for quite some time. Yeah, low government guilt yields have fed through to pretty bad pricing for customers. So so the 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 general view is that given the option, most people opt not to have annuities. Yeah, and even on the front page of the FT today, there's the, the, the stories coming around ahead of next week's budget that perhaps this freedom, pensions freedom or pensions chaos, uh, will be extended to even more people, people that have actually bought an annuity. Because they the can trade them in. Years, potentially might be able to trade them in, which would be further bad news for the life insurers um, who probably thought it was bad enough. Yeah. But they, they, they seem to be doing okay. I mean, so, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there were some casualties when, when the policy was first announced. Um, so, uh, just retirement. Just retirement and partnership assurance. Partnership, partnership assurance yeah, got absolutely the, hammered. The specialists. Um, but the generalists of Eva Prudential are doing okay. Yeah, and I think that kind of speaks to how much people are going to ditch annuities when we get to Pension Freedom Day. The surveys show that people really aren't aware of the freedom they have or they're not aware of the government guidance service that's been put in place to kind of give them guidance at that point. So we just don't know. Um, A lot of people will probably still go down the annuities route. Uh, So uh, in their results, I think Aviva made reference to the fact that their annuity business has not fallen by as much as they thought it was going to or fallen as much as it had in the wider industry. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's... Different insurers affected differently. As I say, some of them also have these bulk annuity business as well that they're looking to kind of take up some of the slack. So that's where they do these kind of bulk purchases of annuities from uh, companies or kind of bulk insurance of pensions or obligations. So like big big company pension schemes like like the one we work for, for example. Yeah, exactly. If they want to kind of uh, have ensure their pension promises that they're making to their employees, uh, they can uh, take out a big insurance contract with one of these uh, providers. Prudential's big in this market, for example, mm. and that's helping it to balance out the, the loss of business in its UK life. So, I mean, to, so talk to me also about the Friends Life deal. Yeah, the question is, why is it buying someone in what is quite a crowded UK life market, mm. um, especially given the regulatory headwinds that we've discussed? Um, so, yes, but they make they try to argue that there are good synergies there, um, that certain, especially when it comes to the corporate pensions market that we just discussed. Uh, they believe that different uh, for those companies um, cater to different type parts of the market, for example, better with SMEs or better with large companies. Okay. So, so, so yeah. you think it's a pretty, pretty decent deal then? Uh, I, I think time will tell. It's quite hard, you know, because obviously it's very easy to talk up synergies. Um, in reality, that, that kind of a business that's come through from pensions reform since 2012, where all companies had to give a pension scheme to their employees, uh, that market is it's quite lumpy. It's quite difficult to see exactly the companies that are benefiting because the contributions being made are still very low. Mm. So the kind of... Um, the fees, the the income that can be generated is still quite variable. I think I've got a couple of pensions with it. <laughs> um, so uh, Prudential, um, they're much more internationally uh, spread, aren't they? Is it? I mean, this must be another thing that that protects someone like them as a generalist for, uh, versus someone like Just Retirement or Partnership Assurance, which are much more UK focused. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of Prudential's great strengths, especially its Asia business, mm. um, which has risen strongly again. I mean, uh, Mr. Tian went out on a really strong set of results, actually. Um, so the kind of temporary loss in the share price on his departure probably doesn't do justice to the results that he left. And he had, he had um, a lot to do with this strategy over, as well, didn't he? Over a third of operating profit, profits are from Asia. So and he, and he's driven, he has been a key man driving this. Yeah, he shepherded them you know, through the financial crisis and he's driven this, driven this growth. You, 
US life business is also doing really well and that's where the heir apparent um, Mike Wells who's the head of their is the their US CEO is likely who's been tipped to take over so uh, they've got good divisional heads and I think that will you know I think people will, can probably overreact to the departure of the CEO I mean, look, looking at the Prue versus Aviva I mean it's an interesting you, you get this in a lot of sectors don't you two FTSE 100 giants Prue is very much the growth story of Viva is the kind of risk, the, the, the laggard whether where there's a kind of recovery story trades at a discount to the Prue I mean we have the Prue's shares on a buy and, and Aviva's on a hold um, and, and that has proven to be the, the right call so you know for the for the past few years um, but it, you know it's a bit like AstraZeneca and GlaxoSmithKline in pharmaceuticals or land securities in, in British land in, in, in property There, there's a kind of there's an in, there are two giants and they 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 look they they they're quite different investment propositions. Hmm. What what are we saying now about Peru? I mean, given the change of management yeah, is on the I, I way, I think we're I mean. saying don't overreact. You know, as, as Stephen says, we still got them on a buy. Um, they've they've got this really kind of profitable partnership with Standard Chartered um, in Asia, where their products are distributed via Standard Chartered branches, and that's producing them a lot of new sales. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're saying don't overreact. The, the the divisional CEOs are really good, and the results have been very strong. Okay. Um, so we don't see too many reasons to be uh, fearful. Good stuff. Standard Chartered not having such a good time though. Um, well, no, that, that's, that's a really interesting point. I mean, it, it does. The, these results do beg the question: Why is why is Standard Chartered having such a terrible time? But you know, it's distributing Prue's products, and that seems to be going great guns. But that must be one small but, part. But of I, I, I suspect, so. yeah, it's the problems in Korea that are pretty dragging down Standard Chartered. Yeah. So. Let's talk about banks. So, Ian, first week in the job. And a busy and everything's one. going on. <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah, kicking yeah. off. <laughs> My intro is pretty full at the moment, I have to say. So TSB, let's start. With, uh, well, I'll tell you, no, let's start with Virgin because that that was a nice sort of allegedly start to the week. Yeah, first think, Challenger Bank, yeah. first results, they were all right. They were good. I mean, they've got good growth in their loan book, good growth in their credit card business. Yeah, we think that's a strong, strong company. I think they've got capacity further to grow. Obviously, it's the old Northern Rock business. But yeah, I think to, to tie all the Challenger Bank stories together, it's just kind of story of successful IPOs. You know, it's not surprising that Shawbrook are going down that route as they've announced today. And Oldham um, floated this week as well. And the shares jumped quite sharply on IPO. Because obviously they've seen, you know, what's happened in the case of Virgin Money, um, and they've seen today what happened in the case of TSB. Very successful times for those for those banks. So let's yeah, talk about TSB because you know mm. it's been on the market for 15 minutes. I think your headline was on your uh, 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes, and that's yeah, that. 15 minutes. Thank of you very fame. much. Well, I, I was uh, yeah. I spoke to a broker who said TSB RIP, which was quite <laughs> a nice one too. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, that's just a very yeah very short short lived. Uh, time for TSB there. But, so we yeah. we think this is going to happen. Then it's it's gone basically. It looks like it. The, the board have said they're going to accept it at that price. So Lloyd's, you know, which owns half the shares, has said it's inclined to. Yeah, Lloyd's accept, has so. this regulatory deadline that they have to get rid yeah, of their state by the end of the year. So perfect, it suits perfect them. them yeah. I mean, the, the the question mark on that deal is: Would there be any kind of rival bidder? If you don't think there will be, and perhaps it looks unlikely at the moment, then we think those shares are pretty pretty full value now. Um, you know, they went up, they're up 25% almost on the day mm. as a result of the announcement. So that's somewhere where we've kind of said, perhaps it's time to take your profits. So we, we, um, we look all right on this one, don't we? We, uh, we, yeah, it was we one tipped of, them um, as a buy summer last year, just mm. after they floated. On the basis that it was very well capitalised and had a good scope to grow. Actually, uh, the same basis on which we've put Virgin Money on a buy. We, uh, I think uh, the headline is a good one, born too cheap. I think that's been yeah, borne yeah. out. Um, there were some quibbles from readers, I have to say, on that one, who thought that, like all banks, it was risky and we shouldn't be touching it with a barge pole. And but 
Hangover from the banking crisis. Hangover from the banking crisis. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, what, what's, I mean, what is it that's attracting um, yeah, this, this uh, bit of tension from the Spanish suitor? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, the the, uh, the official market announcement suggested that they were attracted by the dynamic market. You know, perhaps all this momentum that we've been talking about might you, be challenger banks. But that would be okay. So, but, so the, the, the UK, question, yeah. the UK market. I mean, not is becoming just a, not not just the challenger banks. I mean, we 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 saw very good UK results for you know re, UK you retail and commercial banking results from from RBS and Lloyd's as well so i mean it, mm. if you strip out the investment banks the legacy finds and so forth and actually the the old banks look look like they're doing really well in the UK too so if you if you if you just take that bit of the business which TSB effectively is as is virgin money and all the more i think as well though i think all the more's more in, more into property um you know, it's the UK. We get back to the UK recovery story, which we talked about last week. Yeah, it's, yeah, and, yeah it's, it's a good credit environment, right? You know, yeah. they're, they're, for example, Virgin Money are looking at what they can make from credit cards, and they're thinking, in terms of how can they can grow their mortgage book as well. I mean, yeah. they're seeing yeah. real incomes are you know starting to rise. Yeah. All the all the kind of things which which make banks optimistic about lending. The car um, industry is motor. Excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> It's motoring, and and a lot of that is on finance. Um, the house builders are going great guns. You know, they're 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 selling everything they can build. You know, so someone's got to fund that. Yeah, the UK recovery is is uh, is a strong story still, which is uh, which is great. But yeah, I mean, just, just going back to the house builders, Stephen, you've written something interesting this week on special dividends, and and the house builders are are one sector which is uh, which is returning cash to shareholders at a rate of knots. Um, yeah. but you're not convinced. Well, no, no, I I'm I'm. Well, you know, the cash is cash. The ca- cash is cash, exactly. And, but and not as, not uh, so special. And as <laughs> and as I point out, eighty seven percent of UK shareholder returns since nineteen hundred have come from dividends. So not necessarily know, special. Not necessarily special, yeah, regular and special. Mm. But I, I guess I was just making the point that actually these special dividends are are a sign of caution as much as they are a sign of optimism. Because you know, if if you were actually optimistic, you would be reinvesting in your business. A, you, you, one thing you might be doing would be reinvesting in your business. But another thing you might be doing would be up your regular dividend. Instead, you've got these companies. I'm actually the house builders are a slightly different story here, but the, a lot of the special dividends we've seen from like Foxtons yesterday, um, which is having a torrid time, which had a, which, which is having a torrid time, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, and very sensibly, it didn't commit to, you know, it it it's it, it said I, I can't quite remember the numbers, but it said something about you know something like oh well, pay out thirty forty percent of our profits yeah. as regular dividends and excess cash, and it, uh, well, well return as special dividends. And a lot of companies are, are particularly very um, volatile, sorry, companies in, in cyclical markets. And, we, you know, in, I, I was looking through the last couple of weeks of results and Synthoma, um, Bodycut, Elementus all did, exa- all did exactly the same thing. Synthoma actually half a year ago in its interims um, laid out a new dividend policy very similar to Foxton's, i.e. well pay out, you know, this proportion of our profits in in regular dividends and and you know excess in in specials. I mean, mm. basically, it's this that after the financial crisis, they're very wary of um, overpromising. I think is is what's going on. Yeah, we talked about this uh, last week, week four. Um, you know, the last thing you want to do as a chief exec is is cut your, cut your dividend. Yeah, the last thing and... you want to do is cut your dividend. And one way you can get around that, whilst still you know returning decent amounts of cash, is to have a a, a fairly modest, you know, and we're talking like they, you know, I think these engineers they have dividend yields of sort of two percentage. 
but then you know you double that when when you've got excess cash mm-hmm. um, which is you know is is not not a bad approach i'm not i i don't i'm not criticizing the approach at all i just it, it is actually a sign of caution as much as anything else um um itv is another example we had you know we've had special dividends for 3 years so you know how special is is that mm, um, you know, well, and also when, once you get that cash back, you've got to work out what you want to do with it, right? And, 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 yeah, and the point, and the point well. you know, a point I, I I made is that well, okay, so you could buy more shares in in Foxton, which I think is, but why would you do that when they're telling you we don't want the cash? Yeah. <laughs> it's a sort of it's a bit of a funny one. Yeah, um, it is. Having said that, if you'd have if you'd have taken the special dividends and, and reinvested them in house builder shares, you would be yeah laughing. The, the, the house builders is a, it's a different one. I mean, it, that that's a really interesting example because it's that's a market which is completely clearly undersupplied there are there's no um so the other example of course is non-life insurers hiscox lancashire mm. Britt, amlin they're, they're all announcing big special dividends because they say we can't invest the cash profitably it's a you know it's a really weak pricing environment for for insurance premiums so but you know it's completely the opposite with house building you know they they, they, they they've got very strong pricing everyone agrees that the nation needs more homes um, so you wonder, well, so why don't they just use this cash to you know build as much as they can? And it, it, it's a it's a fair question, but I, I mean I think the, you, you, the, the answer is sorry, John. No, no, carry on. Because <laughs> I, I, I had an interesting view on this. No, carry on, carry on. Well, I was going to say, I, I mean, uh, dis- I think they want to prove discipline. You know, they they it, we're still in a world where people remember, you know, the banks going belly up in the financial crisis and indeed the house builders going belly up mm. and 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 even though that's what seven years ago um yeah i, th- um, I, I they I, still I, haven't earned back the credibility i guess of the market i'm not convinced by that i, I had a different view which um which sounded sort of a little bit more plausible which is that they want to control the supply well, I suppose and, and protect their margins yes i know that's also they could, they could build twice as many homes but they're not going to get the same margin on it, right? I mean, because, the, the, because the, 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 it would have a massive impact on pricing. Yes, I mean they 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 also obviously have no interest in flooding the market. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's they realise, I suppose, that even though everyone agrees that Britain is undersupplied with homes, there's only so fast that the banks can lend, um, that they can. Um, get stuff through the planning process, so there are all sorts of sort of short-term barriers as mm. well that mean that they can't just suddenly, you know, use all this cash to to, to build homes. So they could use it to to build to to buy land, of course, but they're not doing that either. They're saying, okay, well, actually, we've got six years of supply, basta, mm. we'll return the cash instead. Okay, well there you go. There was another company this week that uh, announced a sort of special dividend, wasn't there, Graham? We uh, we had a good chuckle about this one. We did have a good chat about this. Yes, Marks and Spencer M and S. Now that's not a normal special dividend. It's not just any dividend. It's an M and S dividend. <laughs> it's John. an M and S gift card style dividend. So that, so they're going to yeah. they've got this scheme. And I must I thought this was a joke when I read it. <laughs> but it's not yeah, well, April you, the first. So. You, you came round, John. Your thinking came round, didn't it? It, it kind of made sense because you know. It, I, it's only occurred to me that you know. So, if I'm receiving dividends, I want to buy more shares, as we talked about, because mm. we like the the effect of compounding over time. That's where, as you pointed out, Stephen, you know, the majority of long term returns on shares come from dividends and, and reinvested dividends. Exactly. Um, but if you are, say, a pensioner, and you want income instead, and we know there are a lot of people who who do want income. Presumably there will be even more after the pension reforms. And there will be more after the pension yeah. reforms. Um, you know, you're not getting a lot out of a bank account. Annuities are not 
especially attractive. M&S pay a three and a half percent dividend or thereabouts, and and actually this gift card gives you. But what if you do your shopping in in M&S? John? Which a lot of pensioners do, which yeah. often baffles me because I, I I think M&S is quite expensive, and I think you know, aren't you people supposed to be living on a shoestring? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Those days are over. It's, days, it's, it, it's the young who are poor now, John. The young. Let's not get into intergenerational <laughs> yeah, politics right there. now. Um, but yeah, it does, you know, a lot of M&S shareholders. Our M&S customers, they do their shopping at M&S. You know, we, they buy food in M&S. Mm. And if they can get an extra 10% on their dividend, well, that's uh, not 10% yield, 10% in terms of the monetary value. That's actually yeah, so not, they, not that bad when you think about it. So mm. for £900 with the dividends, they can get a £1,000 yeah. gift yeah. card. You know, that, you know, I, I was horrified when I heard this initially. Mm. And then I, and the more I thought about it, I thought, actually, this is quite a good thing. <laughs> it's yeah, not no. that bad at all. You did. You, you turned, you turn, John, overnight. Your, your, your opinion of this turned quite dramatically. It did. It did. Maybe I have an inherent bias against Marks and Spencer for some bizarre reason. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think this is all right. I think it's quite interesting. Um, only for, for their, different... their broker wants to do, says he wants to do it for other companies. The, the registrar, Quinity. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess I, there are only so many companies that you can do it for, mm. but um, yeah, not so bad. Tesco. Not so bad at all. Tesco, Tesco Sainsbury, Domino's Pizza, <laughs> <laughs> the Agi. <laughs> yeah, that, that would get my vote. Anyway, let's, 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 <laughs> let's, 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 let's leave it there. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll tell the uh, the overproof rum story another time. Yeah, save that. Okay. There's plenty more in the magazine this week. We haven't even talked about the cover feature. Daniel's not well today, so we, we can't do that. He's, he's written about how, in fact, cyclical engineers, are, uh, but, you know, whilst the rest of the world is recovering, they're, they're actually struggling with some up and down markets. And, and actually what they are resorting to is uh, what we call self-help. So they're actually making themselves fitter, leaner businesses to really cope with the, uh, the demands of the business cycle. And Daniel's done a great piece on that. Uh, we've got a high yield system update written by James Norrington, which is in, it's, it's working. The high yield system, which has been around for decades, is working again. We've got an outside contributor, Zach Meir, who's written something on uh, small cap charting. We're not going to talk about anything in the personal finance section because we've got a separate podcast that does that now. Recorded that this morning, and that's going great guns. Get in there, have a listen to that. And, and all the usual wonderful stuff, including many, many pages of results again. Well done, Stephen and Ian, in your first week. It's a baptism of fire. <laughs> and I've enjoyed it. <laughs> and you've enjoyed it. That's it. That's it. So, uh, well, done, well done, chaps. It's uh, been very, very challenging, but we've got there. So, lots to read in the magazine this week. Uh, £4.50, all good news agents, and uh, we will catch up again next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. AdWanted UK is the provider of single source media data for agencies, media owners, brands, and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader from Adwanted UK.